got a message today I want to share with you that I pray God encourages you and really speaks to your heart today. I've just simply titled it, When Lions Shut Their Mouths. When Lions Shut Their Mouths. If you will, stretch your hands toward heaven. Pray with me and for me today. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. God, your anointing is so very real in this house today. God, I just thank you for your presence. We've already failed, and I ask that you would anoint your word. Move me out of the way. Speak what you would say today, because this is your people. This is your church, and you have a word for them today. God, do what only you can do. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. When lions shut their mouths. Now, one of the things about this story that you may or may not be aware of was that Daniel was approximately 80 years old when he had this experience in the lion's den. 80 years old. He had already faced extreme hardships and trials in his life, yet despite everything that he had faced, he had proved himself to be a faithful servant of God. You see, he was probably only about 14 years old, when the armies of Babylon invaded and conquered Israel. And at that time, the Babylonians then led many of the people away in chains. They chained the people up and they led them away into captivity. And this way that they systematically deported all of the people out of that country was very violent and it was very cruel. And Daniel, who was a captive, would have had to have overcome the trauma of this pitiless and this brutal treatment that he had experienced as a young teenager. And so the, scripture, the scriptures describe Daniel as a man with an excellent spirit who continued to trust God despite the things that he had been through. That's the way the Bible described him, a man with an excellent spirit that continued to trust God despite the things that he had been through. He had been chosen to serve in the royal palace. And this position required him to become a eunuch, if you know what a eunuch is. That meant that as a eunuch, he would never have a family of his own. And this was a tragic loss to any Israelite whose core value was based on his lineage. And everything that Daniel had held sacred, everything that he had held as important, and everything that he had had held as valuable, had been taken from him. And instead of becoming bitter and resentful, like many would realize you would think he would have the right to do, instead of becoming bitter and resentful, he remained relentlessly faithful to God. And in turn, God gave him favor and honor with this heathen king. I want to tell you something this morning. God honors your faithfulness. I said, God will honor your faithfulness. You see, it's not, I'm not about the people that, um, I, listen, I'm about all people. Don't, don't misunderstand me there. But I'm not about the mentality that some people have that, oh, today I'm at church and I'm going to get my praise on because I feel like being at church and I feel like getting my praise on. I want to tell you this morning, that's not where it's at. 
But where it's at is when in spite of the storm that you're going through, in spite of the way you feel, in spite of the negative things that may have happened or that are going on in your life, you are determined, I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm not going to let it hinder me. I'm not going to let it push me back. But I'm going to be relentlessly faithful to the God I serve because the God that I serve, my God, as Daniel said, is able, more than able to deliver me from what I'm going through. You ought to give him some praise this morning. And we read that Daniel was brought into the inner court of the palace to serve, but there was a price that was attached to this privilege. You see, selected eunuchs were required to partake of the the king's menu and all uh, of the manner of his wines and his fine meals and fine meats. And this was intended to integrate those of other cultures into this Babylonian lifestyle and also cause them to conform to the king's ideas. Why did you say that, Pastor? Because it's no different today. There's a lot that want to put the pressure on you to conform to their ideas and to conform to their lifestyle. There's a lot. I don't understand how things that, I, nobody's probably going to help me preach when I say this, but I don't understand the, how that things that were wrong 50 years ago are not wrong today. Hello. I don't understand how things that used to be sin 50 years ago, it's just accepted today. Not only can you do it openly, you can do it openly, and then you can get up in the pulpit. Hello. I don't understand that kind of mentality. And so uh, he was not, uh, he, he wanted it to cause him to conform to the king's ideas. But Daniel did not want to defile himself with all of those things so and, and those specialty foods and all of that. So he asked for a simple diet of vegetables. Anybody in here ever done the Daniel fast? It took a lot to convince me that it was from God. The Daniel fast, you just get vegetables. That's all you get. I'm a meat guy. Anybody else a meat guy? I got to have meat. You keep meat from me for three days, you better hope God answers my prayer because I'm not going to be pleasant to be around. And so Daniel didn't want to defile himself with these specialty foods, so he asked for a simple diet of vegetables. That's where we get the Daniel fast from. His request was granted, and he overcame all of the incredible pressure to conform. And you see, through his commitment, he was committed. Boy, that's a word I could preach a whole sermon on today. Through his commitment. Does anybody know what it means to be committed? Committed means you stick to it no matter what. I might teach there for just a moment. When your marriage gets rocky, you stick to it if you can, no matter what. When things in your church are not perfect, you made a covenant relationship when you entered into membership and you stick to your commitment if, no matter what. Unless, now listen, if they're teaching false doctrine and doing crazy things, run. Run as hard and as fast as you can. But as long as it's founded on the Word of God, we don't really just have the right to just slash our commitment. Hello? If God made you a mother, it's not somebody else's responsibility to raise that child. It's yours. You ought to be committed to raising that child. Not only should you be committed to raising the child, you ought to be committed to raising the child in the ways of God. Hello. Commitment. Through his commitment to serve God, because he had a made-up mind, he was granted tremendous wisdom from heaven. And later, under the haughty rule of Belshazzar, who was a descendant of King Nebuchadnezzar. Babylon became very sinful and indulging in extreme sensuality for those that know what that is. You know, today, here's, here's the way we say it today. If it feels good, do it. 
And that's the way the Babylon, oh, you didn't know that was sin, did you? Some of you got quiet on that. If it feels good, if it makes me happy, do it. Well, it might make you happy because sin brings pleasure for a season, the Bible says. But the end thereof are the ways of death. But it said Babylonian became very sinful, and they indulged in extreme sensuality. Let me back up on the commitment comment just for a moment. Sometimes you can be committed to something, and if somebody else is not committed, you can't make somebody else commit, no matter what kind of relationship that is. I've known people that their relationship has been severed, not just from their spouse, but from other family members. If you're, not, if you're committed, that doesn't mean you can make them commit. And if they don't commit, you're not held responsible. Hello. So anyway, Babylon became very sinful. They were indulging in extreme sensuality. They were saying, if it feels good, just do it. And they were living in this stupor of drunken arrogance, if you will. They were unaware of their own spiritual depravity. They were spiritually deprived, and they were ignorant, uh, unlearned. And King Belshazzar took the holy vessels. He took the holy things of God, the holy vessels of silver and gold, which had been seized from the temple in Jerusalem, and he used them to part in his royal court. That's what was going on. This, that's what this wicked king was doing. He took the things of God and he was using them to party with his royal court. And they had crossed the line in that moment. And in that very moment, the judgments of God were pronounced. Listen to your pastor today. You can't defile the holy things of God and not answer to a holy and just God. Did you hear me? And so they had crossed the line. And at that moment, the judgments of God were pronounced. And out of nowhere, this hand appeared. If you read the story with writing and it began to write in an unknown language on the wall and as the trembling king sat back and watched this hand just write this message on the wall Daniel was suddenly called upon to give the interpretation and so we read in verses 26 through 28 he says this is the interpretation of each word mean God has numbered your kingdom and has finished it tekel you have weighed in the balances and were found wanting Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. So what was written on the wall was, uh, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. You've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And historians tell us that it was that very night that the gates of the city opened without resistance to the Medo-Persian army who marched in and they conquered that city and they took over the city and King Belshazzar was slain and the great nation once called Babylon fell. That was the fall of Babylon. Now, under Cyrus, who was the next king, he was also known as Darius, as we just read in the scripture. Daniel, uh, he was this new Persian king. And Daniel was set in a place of influence over the whole kingdom. And he was now 80 years old. And you would think now, I know I should get some amens on this. You would think that by the time he was 80 years of age, you would think that it would have been a time of rest and reward for him. Hello. Uh, you would think that by now it would be a time for retirement. I don't know what the way Social Security's going. It may be 80 by the time I ever get there. And then it may not be there. Hello. But you would think by that time that it would be time for rest and reward or retirement as we call it. But was there not a point, you would think, in, in Daniel's life that he could just sit back 
and relax. Now listen, there, there certainly would not be anything wrong with him just sitting back to relax. However, Daniel chose to continue to actively pursue his God. There's a difference in actively pursuing your God. And so Daniel chose to actively pursue God. And so we read that three times a day, Daniel went into his prayer closet and he would open the windows of his room toward Jerusalem and he would pray three times a day. In the old church, we used to sing, Old Daniel prayed every morning, noon, and night. Anybody know that one? We used to, not many of you. I didn't see many heads nod. But he went into his prayer closet three times a day. And while Daniel was reading the book of Jeremiah the prophet, because it was already written, he discovered that this captivity was only supposed to last 70 years. Listen to me. So when it first started, he was 14. Now he's 80. That's around 80, they say. Somewhere maybe 80 plus. So 66, 68 years later, he reads and he discovers that the captivity was only supposed to last 70 years. And from what the Word of God was declaring and what the Holy Spirit was quickening in his heart, Daniel knew that it was soon time for this captivity to expire and that the people, when it expired, would go free. And because of what he read in the book, hello, his faith was increased for his people. Can I tell you this morning, if you read the book a little more, your faith would be increased. Hello. Because he had read the book, his faith was increased for his people. And he stood on God's promises for their deliverance. Listen, he stood on the promises of God for his deliverance, for their deliverance. Can I encourage you this morning that if it's written in the book, you can stand on it. It was not written just by chance or by circumstance. It was not just written over 2,000 years ago for another people at another place at another time. No. If it says that by his stripes you are healed, you can stand on the promise of God and you can say, devil, I'm not going to listen to your report. I don't want to hear your lies. You've roared in my ear long enough. The word of God says by his stripes I am healed and therefore I received the healing that was shed by those stripes on a hill called Calvary when he gave his life on the cross and I'm standing on that promise if it says he'll never leave you or never forsake you when you wake up in the middle of the night suffering from anxiety, don't raise your hands, but I know a lot of people do that. And you feel like, God, where are you? God, I'm all alone. And you lay there and you feel like the prayers don't get any farther than the ceiling and that nobody's hearing or nobody's listening. I want to tell you this afternoon, if you'll stand on the promise of God and say, God, you said you'd never leave me. God, you said you'd never forsake me. God, you said you'd go with me all the way, even to the end of the earth. And then you tell the devil, get behind me it is written God said he'd never leave me God said he'd never forsake me we need to know the word if you're going to fight the devil you got to know what it says and so uh, he stood on the promises of God for the, the deliverance of the people and little did he know that this revelation that he got from the word was the center of a heavenly battle because listen to your pastor this morning Satan doesn't want to see anybody go free. Satan 
doesn't want to see any rank sinner get saved and converted and transformed like we've seen some be saved, converted, and transformed. He doesn't want to see any alcoholics get delivered. He doesn't want to see any drug addicts get delivered. And he certainly don't want to see any lesbians or homosexuals become straight and live a godly life and God bless them for it. And he don't want to see that. Oh, some of you got mad when I said that right there. Well, it's the word. I said it's the word. He don't want to see it. The devil wants to make you think, oh, wait wait a minute. Wait, you may not want to clap when I say this. The devil wants to make you think, oh, pastor, you don't want to say things like that. You'll offend people that may be lesbian or homosexual that are coming. Listen, if you're lesbian or homosexual and you're coming, I'm glad that you're coming to church and I don't want to offend you but I'm not going to compromise the word of God so that you sit there comfortably and go to hell I'm going to preach what the word of God says the devil doesn't want to see anybody sick get healed and give the glory to God so that's what happened here when he got that revelation it was the center of a heavenly battle and God knew that this battle required somebody more than just somebody with enthusiasm. He needed a man with a measure of confidence already worked in him by God. Somebody who could stand in faith without wavering. Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30 says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it but I found no one I sought for a man to stand in the gap can I tell you what are you trying to say pastor I'm trying to tell you listen I know that new church does things differently than old church did it I get that now I'm in the middle of the road. I like old church. I like new church. I just like church. I like the old songs. I know sometimes we don't sing a whole lot of them. Our music ministers, how old? What? 22. And with his height, he looks like he's 16. But I love him. He's my little buddy. I love the old stuff. I love the new stuff. I love the way they used to have church. I like the way we have church now. I like a mixture of it all together. Some of you are going to probably just fall out of your seat when I say this. I like contemporary Christian. I like black gospel. I like modern praise and worship. But I also like redback hymnals. And I also like bluegrass. Can I get a witness in the house? Anybody? I know a lot of you don't like bluegrass. I can worship though. Hear me when I say this. To all of it. I can worship to all of it. If it exalts the name of Jesus, we all ought to be able to worship to all of it. Why did you start saying all that? Here's why I said that. Listen to me, new church. We do not ever need to discount the validity and the importance of the people that have come a long way a lot longer than we have. If this church didn't have people over the age of 65, 
Did I almost get you? 64. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. If this church didn't have, I said that, she went, Phew. If this church didn't have people over the age of 65, Johnny, I'd be worried. Because I need some people that have been doing this twice as long as I have. I won't embarrass his age, but I look back there at Arlen Pruitt. I'm really glad that Arlen's back there because he's been doing it a lot longer than I have. And if you've not noticed, he's not real vocal. He don't, there's no attention ever drawn to him in a church service. He's probably uncomfortable and nervous because I just mentioned his name and some of you are just thinking about turning around and looking at him. But he's faithful. He's dedicated. He's committed. He's unwavering. He's been through storms in his life and he knows what it's like to just hold your peace and hold on to God. We need people like the Arlen Pruitts and the Leon Smiths and, and all the other people. I don't want to call somebody out that I don't know how old you are. Hello, hallelujah. Only reason I said Arlen was because he got the oldest daddy here one year on Father's Day so I knew I could safely use him. But we need those people. We need each other. Because listen, there was a time as a young Christian where some of us felt like we could go down into a valley and meet Goliath with a slingshot. You ever felt that way? Some of us have felt that way. There are times as young Christians where we'll have such zeal and enthusiasm. And I've even heard some people boast and say things like they felt like they could walk through hell with a water pistol. Ever heard that before? I mean, we really feel that way. But I want to tell you, that kind of zeal and that kind of enthusiasm that you feel as a young Christian, that's good. That's good. But there also comes a time when you've got to mature and you've got to know God in a way that you simply just stand in prayer, unmoved by any voices that are around you, because let me tell you something this morning. If you don't hear anything else that I say, hear me when I say this. One thing that the conspiracies of hell cannot stop, and that is you going into your prayer closet and communing with God. Did you hear me? One thing the conspiracies of hell cannot stop, that is you going into your prayer closet. You see, there are many people in our generation who are really standing in the gap. But that doesn't mean they're standing in pulpits. But they're in their secret place of prayer. Listen, there's some ladies that meet here on Tuesdays. If you just get time on your lunch break, you don't have to come to ladies' prayer meeting as a rule. But if you get time on your lunch break, just swing by here. Stand in the foyer about 1235. And you'll think that if you'll think either somebody's dying in here, or you'll think that deliverance is all over the house. And I've gotten so used to it when I'm working in my office on Tuesdays. Sometimes I forget and I even make phone calls to business people who may not be Pentecostal. And all of a sudden I'll be talking and in here you'll hear, Hey! And somebody, you know, and they're like, what was that? Oh, that's just, don't, that's just the ladies praying. I just act like it's nothing. And they just act like, well, it sounds like somebody's dying. But they're standing in the gap. In a place of prayer. And the ladies that do it, you don't see them taking center of attention in a church service hardly ever. But boys, let me tell you something. They come in here on Tuesdays, and they mean business with God. And they mean business against the devil. And they get a hold of the throne of God. They're standing in the gap, in the secret place that a lot of people don't see. But let me tell you something this morning. Heaven records their faithfulness. 
I said, heaven records their faithfulness. So now, let me talk to you very briefly, and I'm not going to be much longer today, but let me talk to some of you who are at or maybe you're over retirement age for just a minute. Let me talk to you for just a minute. Because just when you think that it might be time for you to prop your feet up and relax and perhaps enjoy the fruits of your labor, for a lot of you, many times, another trial comes. Anybody testify to that? Just when you think you can just give up and enjoy the ease of life, another trial comes. And sometimes it might be a trial that may be deeper than anything else you have faced so far in your life. And Daniel was faced with a trial just like that. Wicked men had risen to power and they had begun writing laws which moved against the people of God. They had a law passed that forbade anyone to pray to any god except Darius the king for the next 30 days. That was written into law. Can I tell you this afternoon that when evil men, or women for that matter, are permitted to write laws, they become very bold and very immoral. Can I get a amen? And they begin to write laws that make it legal to kill an unborn or a partially born baby. They begin to write laws that make it legal to marry someone of the same sex. They begin to write laws that legalize immoral things. Or they write laws like this one that we're talking about that demoralize good and holy things. They demoralized praying to God and said you can't pray to anybody but King Darius. You can pray as long as it's not to the one true God. And if there's nobody that's standing in the gap, hear me this afternoon, if there's nobody that's seeking the Lord, if there's nobody that's spending time in a place of prayer, then more and more laws are going to be written that are going to be on the books, that are going to be against His will and against His ways. But can I tell you that if the enemy could take anything from you that he wanted this morning he would not take your money he doesn't care about your money he would not take your health but regardless of what you believe he doesn't really care about your health he wouldn't take your children even those of you that are struggling thinking God I need my children to be saved what he would take from you would be your privilege to pray and commune with God and your ability to intercede through through that prayer, you see, there's something about when you get a hold of God and you intercede in prayer. This book says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What does fervent mean? Fervent means hot. It means intense. It means strong. The effectual, fervent prayer, the hot prayer, the strong prayer, the intense prayer. Jesus prayed until he sweat became his great drops of blood. It would do some of us some good if we'd get in our closet and pray just until we sweated. Do you hear me? It was intense because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Interceding. And if we ever lived in a time for intercessors, this is now. If we ever lived in a time where we need intercessors. Intercessors who will discover what the word of God says. And then claim those promises for family members, for co-workers, for friends, and for our leaders. We need men and women who will take people to the throne of God and intercede for them. And Daniel knew that the time had come for the release of God's people. 
he was standing in the midst of one of the most pivotal gaps of all time. And if Daniel would have conceded, if he would have buckled under the pressure, King Darius would not have known that there was a true God in heaven. And evil men would have succeeded and God's people would have remained in bondage. But God was about to miraculously move on Darius' heart to give him, to get him to sign a decree that would set the Israelites free. And all hell was fighting against this proclamation. All hell was fighting against this proclamation. I want to tell you this morning, when the enemy knows that God's about to set some people free, all hell will begin to fight against that plan. All of hell will begin to launch an attack against that plan. You've been going through something lately? Let me tell you. Let me encourage you. You might ought to check and make sure that you don't stop doing what you've been doing because the sign that you're going through something is probably that hell has launched an attack at what God wants to do in your life. Preacher, do you really believe that? You better believe I believe that because when the enemy knows that God's about to set some pre people free in a church, he'll begin to fight and attack that church. When the enemy knows that God's about to heal somebody, then he'll begin to afflict somebody else with sickness or he'll begin to distract you when the enemy knows that God's about to do something miraculous in your life he might use your health or your finances or some other way to attack you because the ultimate plan of the enemy is to stop the divine plan and the divine will of God but I came to tell you this morning the only person stopping the plans of the enemy hear your pastor today the only person in this passage of scripture that was stopping the plans of the enemy was an 80 year old old man who was in his prayer closet. I want to tell you if you're looking for a man to fight this morning, you're probably not going to choose somebody that's 80 years old, are you? Hello? I mean, I love Arlen, but if somebody's going to try to kill me, I'm sorry, Arlen, I'm picking Dwight. How many knows what I'm talking about? You're probably not going to pick somebody that age to fight. But I want to tell you, there are some battles that are not meant for a novice. And this was one of them. The Lord needed somebody with a history. Somebody who trusted Him. And the devil wanted Daniel away from this place of intercession. So he caused him to be thrown into a lion's den. This isn't in my notes, and I just feel like sharing it, though, because you know we've had special prayer, and you know that we've given prayer requests the last two Sundays and weekends. And I'm so thankful that Ray and Phyllis are back there this morning and that they're hearing this message. Because one of the things that I felt quickened in my spirit right then when I said that was, I really feel like the devil has made a mistake by picking on somebody that he already knows God healed him of cancer once before. See, this battle wasn't chosen for a novice. This battle was chosen for a couple that have been there and they've seen him do the miraculous and they know that he can do the miraculous. So I told them the other day, it doesn't really matter what the doctor says. It doesn't really matter what they walk into the room and say. You don't have to receive that report. You can stand on the promises of God and receive the report of the Lord. He can declare psalms over his life. I shall not die, but I shall live and declare the works of the Lord. He can stand on the word of God God and say, by his stripes 
I am healed. He can stand on the word of God that says, is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church like they did the Sunday I was on vacation and let them anoint him. Pray over him, anointing him with oil. What's the word said? And the prayer of faith. That's what's wrong in a lot of our churches today. We know how to pray, but we don't pray the prayer of faith. We know that God can do it, but we don't believe that God will do it. And the prayer of faith, if you'll stand in faith, the prayer of faith, the Bible said, shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. What's the difference? The prayer of faith. This battle wasn't chosen for a novice. But the devil wanted Daniel away from that place of intercession. So he caused him to be thrown into the lion's den. I want you to think about this for just a moment because I'm almost done. This den represented a place where Satan walked about as a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. It was a place where very few, if any, had been known to survive. It was a place where any one of those lines could have killed Daniel. Because if you read on down in verse 24, the Bible said, once the king gave the command, read on down, and it said, and the lines overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. The same lines that Daniel spent the night with and overpowered them and broke all their bones before they ever got to the bottom of the den. Can I tell you that these lines symbolize things that will destroy you. There's a line of bitterness. Now I'm about to preach to some of you that didn't expect me to preach to you this morning. There's a line of bitterness. There's a line of resentment. There's a line of betrayal. There's a line of injustice. There's a line of jealousy. There's a line of despair. And there's a line of anger that's not of God. And sometimes there's a line of anger even against God. Has anybody ever been there this morning? And those lines are sent to take you down. You see, the devil, hear me today, does not need for you to have 12 sins hidden in your tent or undealt with in your life in order to destroy you. He only needs one to bring you down. That's all he needs. And what the devil had not bargained for when it came to Daniel was the power of God's Word that Daniel had fully embraced. We see the end result of this kind of faith in verse 22. And I read it in the opening scripture. He said, my God. Can I tell you, he's my God today. My God sent his angel. And he shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me. And I'm reminded, you say, oh, I don't know all that stuff about angels. Can I tell you, angels are real. And I believe... I believe, you're going to think I'm shady when I say this, probably, but I'm going to give you some more scripture. I believe that there are angels that are assigned to you and I. And when God needs to dispatch them, I believe those angels stand with their attention 
focused on God. And they don't do anything, Christina, until God gives the word and the command for them to go. But can I tell you that when God gives command for the angels, that the Bible says, He shall give angels charge over you. That's what the word said. Oh, I read another place. The Lord's helping me right now. When Peter was in prison and the church got together and they began to pray, Peter was in prison and he was bound up in locks and stocks. And the Bible said that an angel of the Lord, whoo, I feel the Lord this morning, an angel of the Lord walked into that prison and he told Peter get up and Peter thought I can't get up I'm bound hand and feet but the angel said get up and when Peter stood up the locks and the stocks began to fall off of him God dispatched an angel and then Peter heading back to where the church was praying Peter got in the outer court you have to know how it was laid out back then there was an outer court and an inner court anybody ever been to Charleston South Carolina a lot of those homes have an outer court and an inner court you got to go knock on a door on the gate or ring some kind of a doorbell to get them to come out of their door and even let you into the yard. Hello. But that's the way it was back then. They were praying in that building. And the Bible says that Peter got to the gate. And when he got to the gate, he didn't even have to knock. The Bible says the gate just immediately opened. And they walked on in from the outer court into the inner court. And then they knocked on the door. And the people that was inside praying thought, Lord have mercy. Who's knocking? Who let anybody inside the gate? And they went to the door and they opened the door. And when they saw Peter, the one that saw Peter Peter went back and told the rest of them that was praying for God to help Peter who they thought was still in prison. Oh, I feel the Lord helping me today. This ain't in my notes, but the church was praying for God to set Peter free. And then he came back and he said, you ain't going to believe, Renee, who's standing at the door. You're not going to believe who's at the door. Even they knew there was such a thing as angels because when he said it was Peter, Peter was standing at the door. They said, no, you must have seen his angel. They said, no, I've seen Peter. And they went back out and beheld while they were praying, God dispatched an angel that walked right into that prison and he said, get up. I'm going to set you free. I came to tell somebody this morning, don't you worry. Don't you fear. Don't you fret. God's got angels staring at him right at this very moment. And just when you think you can't handle it anymore, God's going to say, that one's mine. Go help them. That one's mine. Go set them free. Angels. My God sent his angel and he shut the lion's mouth. And I'm going to close with this if they come to the music. In the original term, in the original text, the term angel, here's what it literally means. Now all that other stuff wasn't in my notes, so that was a bonus. The term angel literally means, here's what it means, the messenger. And when the messenger came, Daniel received the messenger. And it was this messenger who shut the mouths of the lions. And from that very moment, those particular lions had nothing more to say. Think about that. From that very moment, all the rest of the night, they had nothing more to say. You see, when you receive God's messenger, when you receive God's word the devil immediately has nothing more to say to you when you receive God's word what do you mean pastor Isaiah 54 and 17 no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn this is the heritage 
of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Isaiah 59 and 19, the second part of the verse, when the enemy comes in like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When the enemy comes in like a flood, when you feel like the waters are about to overtake you, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. You see, it's natural that you and I would prefer not to go through the hardships, not to go through the hard times, not to go through the bad stuff. We'd rather just... Not have to endure the difficult days, the betrayals, and the unavoidable pain that comes from dealing with life and dealing sometimes with people. Hello. Nevertheless, God uses these times to work out His purposes in us. He's been preparing you for the day when you would stand in your prayer closet. And you would say, God, I refuse to listen to the voice of those accusing, condemning, discouraging lines. I'm going to stand on your word. Jeremiah was the book, the prophet, the book that Daniel read. He said, I'm going to stand on Jeremiah, but this captivity's about over. I'm going to stand on the word, but this is about to come to an end. Can I tell you, you can do like the song said this morning. You can sing right in the middle of your storm. Louder and louder. Let them hear your praises roar. See, God uses these times to work out things in our life. And King Darius had been really friendly to Daniel. Yet he ultimately was the one who had him thrown into the den of lions. But the following day he came with a mournful voice asking Daniel if his God had been able to deliver him. And Daniel could have easily responded out of anger. He could have easily let his flesh take over. And he could have said something really mean to him and said, you're a foolish man for listening to my accusers when all I've been doing was seeking God. You're a fool. He could have done that. Daniel could have said a lot of other things too if he didn't have a right heart. Sometimes God wants to know what's the condition of your heart. You're going through this, but what's the condition of your heart? But what came out of Daniel's mouth was this, verse 21. I love this. It spoke to me. If it don't speak to you, it spoke to me all week long. He said in verse 21, O king, live forever. What's so significant about that, Pastor? That's an amazing response when you stop and consider it. Daniel had just endured the greatest trial and the worst night of his life because of that man. Yet even his speech remained pure before God and this king. What are you saying? I'm saying this. You can know that you've come to the place of victory. And you can know you've got an excellent spirit when you can bless the person whom God has used to try you. When you can bless the circumstance that God has used to try you. You know you have the victory, and you know you have the right attitude and an excellent spirit before God. See, my prayer is for us to comprehend that we don't only grow by having our own battles and our trials just disappear, but we grow by having our battles finish their intended purpose in our life. Because if we never grasp this truth, we'll live our whole Christian life trying to get out of the very things 
that God has placed us in to produce a relentless faith in Him. If you'll stand with me all over the house this morning. Paul said in Romans 8 and 28, you can almost quote this. He said, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. To those who are the called according to His purpose. But more than just be able to quote it, there's got to come a time in our life where we fully embrace and receive the Word. And when you do, you can stand in faith like Daniel did. And when you do, the laws change. Listen, I'm closing with this. The laws change. What do you mean, Pastor? Let me explain this to you very quickly. After Daniel was taken up out of that lion's den, the king issued a decree. In other words, he wrote a new law after Daniel came out of the lion's den. Verse 25, Then the king Darius wrote, To all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree, I make a law, that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. He is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? You see, this heathen king received the revelation that many of us could benefit from and he changed the laws that had been written by those who were against the things of God. And there's one law that I'd like to see him change more than any other law that's the law of sin and death today that's written over the lives of many people because it's my heart's desire to see him set free see we had friends and family Sunday last weekend but I still got people on my heart I still want to see people set free and saved I still want to see people healed I still want to see Ray White get up in this pulpit and give a testimony of healing three years ago and then declare his healing for this time, don't you? And then I want to see Ray White get back up in the pulpit and declare complete healing after it's all over. You know what? The doctors, they don't talk like that, but that's okay. The Word of God does talk like that. And I choose to believe God's report, and I choose to stand on what God's Word says. Is, is there anybody else in the house this morning that will say, I'll stand on the Word of God? So here we go. We're going to make this altar call easy today. You've heard the message. Are you willing to say... This is God's messenger for me. Are you willing to say, I received God's word? Have you been living in a place, and I feel like many times a lot of us are, where the devil has been roaring at you and roaring in your ear, and all you've been doing is roaring back at him? Can I tell you, God doesn't want you in a shouting match with your adversary. But what God does want is for you to be confident full of faith in Him because He will be the one that causes the lions to shut their mouths. Every head bowed and every eye closed all over this room today. If there's anybody here that says, Pastor, I'm not ready to meet the Lord. Should I go out into eternity today? I don't, I don't know that I'm ready to meet Him. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and just put it back down this morning? I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I don't know that I'm ready to meet the Lord. Would you just slip your hand up? Put it back down. Thank you. God bless that hand. You can put it down. Anybody else? I don't know that I'm ready. Should I go? Thank you. God bless you. You can put that hand down. Thank you, ma'am. I don't know that I'm ready to meet the Lord. Should I go out into eternity today? Anybody else that would lift your hand in this room today? I see the other hand. Yes, God bless you. You can put that hand down. Thank you. Anybody else in the room today? Church, I want you to begin to pray. I want to talk to those that just raised their hands and tell you this morning, you can leave this place with the assurity 
that you know you're ready to meet him. So in just a moment, when we pray, I'm going to open this altar. There's going to be many others come, I believe, that want to just simply receive the word of the Lord and stand on his promises today in their life for whatever the need may be. I invite you to come with them to this altar of prayer today. Now all over the house, the rest of you, I'm going to pray. And if you will just simply agree with me and say, Pastor, I'm going to stand on the word of the Lord. I want you to come. I want you to fill this altar in this front row. Find a place to kneel. And as they sing, we're going to pray. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for your word. God, we stand on your promises today. God, I ask you, Lord, that as we consecrate this time of prayer, that, God, you would move in our midst this morning. Let us declare and decree that we're going to believe that our God is going to shut the mouths of the lions. I believe in you to do it today. In the name of Jesus.